Greetings, Evil Boy Genius here, and welcome to another episode of the Off The Tools Collective podcast, the podcast for smart subcontractors sick of being ridden ragged by douchebag penny-pinching clients. Bottom line is this, if you're selling shit to the domestic market, fitting bedrooms, bathrooms, or kitchens, or balls deep in extensions and renovations, and you want to attract the best clients on demand, sell to them way above market rates, and have it all happen hands-off on an autopilot so you ain't stuck to your phone like a cold-calling cockwomble, then put your feet up, pin your ears back and pay attention for the next few minutes and then take action because this shit will not do itself. Take it away boys. You're doing well not to tell them to fuck off to be perfectly honest John but I know there's another F word you want to talk about today and yeah. I believe it's the F word every subby should be using. It's the marketing F word or the business F word however you want. They won't know what that is. These are subbies they work with their hands. Banging it against the brick wall when they get frustrated. Not read it. Basically, the F word every subject should be using, in fact, every business owner in Christendom and wider. And the F word is simply focus. Most subbies and most business owners of all flavors, they try to be all things to all men and women. And what happens then is you end up being nothing of any importance to anybody. You know, a classic example is if, do you remember the Yellow Pages? You're probably a bit young for that. No, I know the Yellow Pages. I don't know if you're still going on, but it used to be brilliant and superb sort of a business if you wanted it and stuff. But anyway, Yellow Pages, you'd see, say, solicitors would say, we are specialists in fucking great big list of things that there's one bloke there, one bloke and his fucking pet hamster, you know? And he's a specialist in all these things. You, you can't be a specialist in all those things unless you're a polymath, a real genuine fucking God's honest polymath like I say Leonardo da Vinci was. You are not a specialist in any more than one thing. The whole I idea of specialism is you learn more and more and more about less and less and less. And so you know absolutely fucking everything about nothing. <laughs> Fair yeah? enough. I'm going to have to ask because I'm thinking it. What the fuck is a polymath? It sounds like a Pokemon. A polymath is someone who knows lots of shit. In detail, an expert in many things. So oh, Da Vinci yeah. was a mathematician, an engineer, an artist, a designer, a philosopher. I, I was baffled when I found out that was all the same person. I always just thought, oh, it was a popular name. Popular name. Well, the thing is, I've always thought, how the fuck did they get the time to do all this shit? <laughs> Seriously. But I suppose they hadn't got LinkedIn and Twitter and things. <laughs> they didn't have the internet. But even, even so, there's a guy called Donald E. Knuth, or Knuth, mm-hmm. mathematician. And his book, I think it's the second one, um, computer algorithms is like the bible for all computer scientists who want to do any kind of mathematical work and these books are fucking you know that thick a couple of inches thick maybe and he's i think he's got about four of them and you think how the fuck do you do this how you must be so fucking clever you must be you must be a fucking genius that you don't have to think about any of this because if you had to stop thinking about it you'd never get it done it's just fucking unbelievable fundamentals of computer programming i think it's called cool. i mean it's about on volume three or four now i mean it's fucking the guy's a fucking madman how do they get time to do it anyway that's by the by da vinci yeah he was a fucking polymath i mean new probably isn't but da vinci and other people certainly were fascinating really fascinating yeah most, most, most business owners um, there we go they just do not and, and subbies in particular, they do not focus on what they want. I mean, classic example, classic example is the gym. You know, I, yeah. I use the example of the Fit Pro a lot because it's one everyone understands. They all know how it works. We either all know someone who's been to the gym on a diet, we've done it ourselves. You know, it's very common experience. So you're, what I'm saying, when people don't focus, your average personal trainer doesn't focus. What he or she does is stands in the gym and waits to be approached. So one minute they're being approached by someone like me, 
then it's maybe an 18, 19 year old girl or guy, then it's someone in their 30s, completely different desires, completely different methodology in their head. But even though the, the actual product is the same, but the thing is, because of that, everything gets diluted, you know, Every, everything's he or she that this PT is trying to appeal to a 19 year old girl at the same time as a fucking 70 year old bloke who think they can see the, the onrushing of death 20 years away and wants to fucking prolong his life as opposed to the, the young bird who's going to Ibiza for a fucking shag fest and wants to strengthen her pelvis you know <laughs> she's doing the pelvic floor thinking it's strengthening her I was thinking, I was thinking, yeah you know she didn't, you don't want to fucking have her pelvis shattered you know, she'd throw the legs wide open you know I'm getting more uh, thinking about it now <laughs> I remember when, when the world was normal, there was this really cool business lounge, you know, I signed up to it and uh, it had a really, really, really good fucking gym attached, uh, proper state of the art, one of those smart gyms. I was enamored with it. But the thing is, just recently been diagnosed with my spasticness. I was very sore. I was fatter than I am now. Um, that is fat. I know. So I I wanted help to manage my, you know, the, what I should be doing in the gym with my condition and just general guidance. I wanted to be looked after. Yeah. So I walked up to one of the personal trainers. He had a soft, caring face. I had a little chat with him. He sounded like he knew what he, he, he was talking about. It correlated with what I'd read online. So, uh, but when we started talking about the nitty gritty, he started selling to me like all I wanted to do was get ripped and lean when actually all I wanted was some specialist advice about how I can look after my joints and you know how to be building muscle properly to take the stress off my joints you know sort my core out I've got one leg longer than the other so my fucking hips and spine is all out of whack <laughs> I, I wanted to be looked after and I want the angle of yeah we're going to make sure you're going to be a functioning adult and we're going to keep you out of a wheelchair and you're going to feel much fitter for it but he just went for the well why do you want to look good I was like well I'm not really that bothered about looking good it's, it's a good side effect but i care more about this he was like yeah but the thing is when you've got a six-pack your girlfriend's gonna love you even more i was like what sort of sales process is this <laughs> what sales process is this it's an expensive gym as well it was one of those you know fucking upper market ones so i didn't pay him any money to, to <laughs> and i actually, actually cancelled my membership with the gym because i was like this is not the place for me well, that's a classic example of someone who's just fucking assuming they know what you want when they just they don't actually fucking know, you know? Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, he's never asked himself that big question everyone needs to ask themselves before they try and sell anything ever, quite clearly. No, the, the very first thing anyone should ask themselves before getting into business is... Whom am I selling to? Who is it I want to sell to? We've kind of touched on this before. I remember when, when Airhead um, asked me years ago, Holly, she said, I, I, I'd like to run my own business like you, Dad. What should I do? And I think she wanted me to come up with something, something really exciting, you know, fucking sell people astronaut training or something, you know. And I said, well, the real question to ask is, who do you want to sell to? You know, obviously, if, you, if you're starting a business from scratch, if you've got any sense at all, with, with rare exception, I mean, if you've got something you really love doing and there is a market for it, say like PT, then, of course, you, you kind of almost de facto, sorry, a fate to complete, you go into being a PT. There's nothing wrong with that. But even then, you should be thinking, okay, I'm going to become a PT. So who am I going to become, who am I going to become PT for? Rather than, rather than say, I want to be a PT, so what gym can I work in? You know, wrong question. Always be thinking before you start a business, who, who am I going to actually sell this to? I remember some years ago, a woman joined my old inner circle. She was a bookkeeper by trade, and she wanted to sell. I mean, this is how fucking ludicrous it was. She wanted to sell a monthly membership to people who struggle to manage their money and have no money. Poor people, basically. 
And I said to her, but they haven't got any money. Why are you trying to sell something to people who don't have any money in the first place? These people don't want to learn to manage their money, otherwise they will be doing so. And if they do, you should be charging them something. This should be a high-end program for people who are determined to do it. But she wanted to sell it cheap. And she, she sold it. I mean, I'm going back about eight years now. She sold herself at £15 an hour as a, as a qualified oh, bookkeeper. Wow. Oh, she didn't stay long, as you can imagine, because I, I don't have time for people. I mean, I, I don't mince my words, as you know, and if people are, are doing stupid things, I tell them that's a stupid thing to do. You know, you will not make money doing that. And, and the, the classic one is that woman who was uh, the graphic designer who wanted to make graphic design, high-quality graphic design, affordable to everyone. Yeah. Well, everyone isn't your fucking target market. And if you re- unless you're stupid, your target market is going to be people who've got money to spend. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean they're affluent. I mean, you're making a good decision if you go for affluent people, of course. But you don't have to. I mean, it just has to be something they want very much. So, you know, you can sell airline tickets and things to chavs very easily because chavs like to go to fucking Benidorm. But take the Amish, for instance. And we've mentioned this one before. The Amish kitchen designers, quarter of a million dollars for a kitchen. Well, they obviously target very wealthy people and they make their money. They would be pointless for them trying to sell quarter of a million dollar kitchens to anyone who just rolled up in their fucking horse and cart, you know? Yeah, it'd be ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense. So, you know, the first thing to all, all the subbies listening to this, especially those, especially those who are in the serving the domestic market and the ones that's our bread and butter, you know? So plumbers, electricians, uh, anyone who working in kitchens, bathrooms, bedrooms, extensions, renovations, that kind of thing. So any subbie listening to this, the first thing to ask yourself is whom do I want to ask, oh, oh, whom do I want to work for? Who are my clients? Well, your best clients are going to be the ones with money, the, with the will and the wherewithal to spend it. Well, they're dead easy to find because no matter where you live, I bet within a 20-mile radius of where you live, there are affluent postcodes. So if you're going to do any kind of printing and flyers and things, rather than bombarding the whole of fucking Leicester with it, including places where they don't have so much money, hit places like Nyerton and Oadby, where they have loads of money. Well, that's fucking marketing 101. But again, most guys and girls don't know this. They just don't think about it. Not everyone is your customer. Not everyone is your client. You don't want everyone either because some are just shitheads. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the you're first thing you ask yourself. Big focus. Who am I selling to? Who's my ideal client? It's the second exercise you put people through. First one is making rules for themselves. Yeah. If you recall, when, when we was in the agency stage before we realised what we the fuck up. have we done. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it didn't last long. Uh, we, we got paid pretty well for it, but we, it didn't last long. No. Uh, did not enjoy it one bit. Had, I was running the Facebook ads, yada, yada, yada. Anyway, we kept hammering clients for, because we was working with, you know, the type of people we deal now, we just do a different offering we was hammering them give us the fucking postcodes of the places you want to be working and it took them a while and yeah eventually when we got the postcodes we ended up paying an extra two pound fifty per lead but now these people that were opting in to were so much higher quality so the, the, the cost per lead went from five pound from someone putting their hand up saying yeah i, I want to learn more about getting you know a kitchen fitted with you guys and the advert clearly stated it started at 15 the key these kitchens started at 15 grand we then targeted these wealthy postcodes uh we i think the low we tested different things we said these kitchens start at twenty thousand pound on the lower end we're targeting now the richest postcodes that they want to work in we was only paying seven pound fifty for a lead and the conversion rate went up <laughs> and obviously the profit margins yeah, so the ROI were a lot higher higher. yeah and yeah. The, the, the margins on the work was much higher because the order value was higher so by simply targeting the wealthy postcodes <laughs> the average order value shot up and there ergo the profit margin shot up 
plus it was a better quality clientele plus yeah. it was much easier and much more fun for the client to deliver the job easy, the thing easy, is, lemon, people squeezy. want their marketing cheap don't they they don't understand roi um yeah, that's why we want to do things they don't want to do things cheap you know we want we want cheap leads cheap website cheap copywriter well you don't i mean dan kennedy i'm, I'm sure we've said this before but dan kennedy says quite rightly you know i'm paraphrasing in any market the person who's willing and able to spend the most to get a client is the one who will always win yeah and to me that is obvious it makes perfect sense because it you know again i remember when i had my old inner circle i want i, I and this was arbitrary you know it's just an arbitrary decision there's no rhyme or reason to it. it's just what i wanted i wanted to be in profit by the second month because they had a second they had a two-month money-back guarantee and my my rule was um no matter what i do i want them to be I want to be in profit on their third payment on yeah. average. So what that meant was I was prepared to invest about two, well, before that, just under 200 quid to get a client. Well, that, that's, I knew how much I was prepared to do. And that involved a lot of direct man and stuff. Whereas most people would say, I'm not spending 200 quid to get a new client. I get it for free on social media. Well, yeah, you can, but you just don't understand what you're doing when you when you take that kind of attitude. And you don't understand that because you don't understand whom you're selling to and what that actually means in terms of ROI, revenues, ease of selling and everything else. Because focus, I mean, focus makes everything easier. And a pin or a needle can, can pierce flesh. A sword can pierce flesh. A saw blade cuts through wood and metal and stone because it focuses the energy of the drill or the or the, or the, the strike or the, 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 the motor on a very narrow area. It's the difference between a sniper's rifle, M82, or a fucking shotgun. Yeah, a shotgun's deadly at close range, but, you know, you go out very far and it's just a, just an annoyance. So it's, yeah. it's, that's why arrows have points, you know, and not fucking flat bits on the front. <laughs> it, it, just, it just beggars belief people can be so, so short-sighted. Yes. So the, the takeaway from that is fucking start to focus more. And if you're unsure where to start focusing, focus on your fucking target market get obsessive learn everything about them once you've decided who that's going to be because the more you know about the target your target market it makes it a hundred times easier to market to generate them as leads and then ultimately to sell to them because there's three things really that every successful subby focuses on once they've got clear on their target market yeah first thing is you focus because you know you know you're talking to and i presume you know what you're selling Okay, and I, I want to make this clear: you're not just selling bathrooms, bedrooms, kitchens, or whatever. You, you're selling an experience. We've been over this before, but you're selling an experience in the same way as a good PT is not just selling diet, exercise, and weight loss. A good PT is selling. You're gonna like that guy said to you: you're gonna have better sex with your girlfriend. Good sales message, but the wrong one for you. He wasn't listening. Yeah, but yeah, uh, not a bad that, sales message. I wasn't there for that. No, exactly. But but what I'm saying is, it, it, no, the, the message itself, he, he put some thought into it, but he was not oh, thinking. Oh, for sure, yeah. But he but he had got the wrong target market, wrong message to wrong person. Yeah. yeah. Say more about that in a minute. But the three things you you know, you're speaking to the right people, and you know what you're doing for them. You, you need to understand what their pain is and focus on that. Okay. For you, the pain was literally the pain of a broken body. You wanted to increase your mobility. You want to increase your resilience, physical resilience. Same as me when I went to the gym down the road. I didn't want to build muscle. I can do that at home. I wanted to increase, improve my mobility. That's what I was there for. My pain was physical and mental. I, I just, I was just stiff. I mean, 30 plus years sitting at a desk takes its toll. So someone trying to sell PT or yoga to me, yoga is a good example because I started doing that quite recently, is if they start talking to me about building, packing on slabs of muscle and, and that kind of thing, it's falling on deaf ears. I'm not interested. 
because that's not my pain. I, I find my putting on muscle quite easy. You want you want to get my attention as a, as a PT or as a yoga teacher or anything like that, any kind of mobility kind of exercises. The way to sell to me is to say you won't you won't ache in the mornings. You won't be stiff doing squats. You'd be you'd have better form in the gym, not heavier weights necessarily. You know that will be my pain. So for subbies, when you're selling stuff, just bear in mind when you're selling a new bathroom, you're not selling a bath. A sink, a wash hand basin, and a toilet, and a B day or whatever. I only posh people have B days, I know, but that's not what you're selling. You're selling maybe the paint. You know, I'm just making making it up here, just extrapolating from what I do know of people. Maybe you're selling against the pain of a, a, an embarrassing avocado 1970s bathroom that your neighbours laugh at. You're ashamed. Of. What, what is it? Richard Stein used to call it house embarrassment. House embarrassment, that's the one. I mean, maybe you're selling against house embarrassment, house embarrassment of a kitchen or a bedroom. Maybe if you're selling to a single guy, he's, a, he's embarrassed to take girls back to his bedroom because it's still got fucking Dalek wallpaper or something. I don't know. But that's what you're selling to. So he's focusing on the pain. Second thing is following on from that is you follow, focusing on the outcome. What does solving the pain give them other than just new wallpaper or a new bathroom suite? Maybe maybe for the, the woman or the man who suffers from house embarrassment, it means they can then improve their social circles because they don't feel embarrassed about bringing people back to them. Maybe they can have dinner parties, which then elevates them in their own eyes and maybe elevates them in the eyes of their neighbours. If that's important to them, I think it's fucking trivial and pathetic. But... If that's what people want, then you've no business judging them for it. You can't judge the value of it. So for a woman or a man who, who who thrives on this social interaction and is really finds it important to keep up with the Joneses, helping him or her keep up with the Joneses is a good outcome. You know, we, we once sold websites into B2B um, and our focus was, um, the outcome for us was, well, our, our target market was women who'd been recently promoted into the role of kind of marketing manager type thing. We knew that their pain was often being a female in a male dominated world, going back 13 years now, in a male dominated world. What's the pain of that? Well, looking stupid and being laughed at by male colleagues for having a shit website if things go wrong, as they so often did. So our kind of focus on the outcome was we're going to make you look great to your male colleagues so they won't laugh at you anymore kind of thing you know and, and some people might think that's the wrong thing but no that was what these women were suffering from that was what their pain was so we fucking did them a service by saying and we did it well you know these guys the website developers did it i was just the marketing guy they did it they they changed these women's lives or it certainly improved their fucking lives because they weren't suffering from embarrassment at work work embarrassment you know yeah. so that's it focus on their pain and then on the outcome and of course the third thing once you know all that, you can focus on the message. Go back to the guy who was speaking to you. Entirely the wrong message for you. A good message for someone else, maybe, if you're aging in a different situation, had he fucking listened. Yeah. Now, if he said to you, so, Connor, what, what, what's your outcome for me? What do you actually want to get from this? And then you say, well, I'd like to, like to get stronger. You know, mm -hmm. if he then said, well, and then what? What's that going to give yeah. you? And keep asking yeah. that question, and then what? Until you get to the point when they start talking about the intangibles. Well, I'll have a better quality of life. Oh, why is that then? Well, because I've got this autoimmune disease, and it fucks up my joints, and building muscle around my joints will stabilise everything. So I'll be more active, and maybe I can look forward to getting up in the mornings more. Well, bingo. That's where you understand what your message can be, you know? When Phil, my PT and a good friend of mine, now he sells to 40-plus-year-old guys, overweight CEOs and business owners, his sales message is very simple. It's no longer about fucking packing on the muscle or getting fitter or even living longer because no one believes they're going to die. His best sales message so far is more sex with your wife who doesn't fancy him anymore. And he gets guys on the phone telling him this. One guy recently, his wife won't even, never mind having sex with him. One guy, he, his wife won't even go into town with him because he's so fat and embarrassing. <laughs> 
That's fucking fat. Now imagine that. Right? If you understand that about your target market, how focused your message can be. Here's a message for overweight guys, 50 years plus, whose wives won't have sex with them. Of course, the more you narrow your message, the, the more you focus your message, the more you narrow your market. But just like a fucking stiletto knife or a sword or a sniper's rifle, you get more penetrating power with the same message because it's spread over a smaller area. You know, If you're selling pet supplies, you sell more if you sell specifically to dog owners or Rottweiler owners or rescued Rottweiler owners than you will if you just sell generic pet stuff. And there's nothing wrong. It'll just stop you. Okay, I don't just want to sell to Rottweiler owners. I want to sell to Rottweiler owners, Pitbull owners, Greyhound owners, and Collie owners. Okay, you have four separate marketing campaigns, four separate pipelines, and maybe only one delivery vehicle. Nothing wrong with that at all. You know, nothing wrong with that at all. But what it means is you you, you pick and choose where you place things. I had a client once who used to sell, uh, become a life coach from home, home study shit. And he used to advertise in the Daily Mail. I think it was Daily Mail. Maybe in the Sunday Mail. And he used to, he, I think he was doing about half a million a year. And I, I increased it to, I, I rewrote all this stuff and it like more than doubled to over a million. And then I said to him, I could double this again for you pretty much overnight, but it's going to cost you 100K. And he says, well, you know, tell me how to do it and then you can do it and I'll, then I'll pay you. He says, no, 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 I'm not even telling you. You, t- you pay me and then I'll tell you. And you know what I can do because I've just done it. Still wouldn't do it stuff. So I just went away. I didn't tell him. And all I was going to suggest he did was because we found out that men did buy, but his target market at the time was women. Men were very responsive to it, but all his marketing was aimed at women. And I would have just said, all you got to do, what I would have said was, all you have to do is duplicate the same marketing funnel, aim the next one at men and not women. And it will about double your profits and your, your sales. Because at the moment, you're hitting women and a few men who kind of bother. It's that simple, you know. It really is that simple. It is that simple. Now, if we if we wanted to, maybe we'll do this. We could do separate marketing campaigns for plumbers and electricians, not just domestic subcontractors, and oh, we'll get sure. better results. Then it's just it's just yep. it is work. That's all. Yeah, but it will that's, get us better results. Well, we're launching this new advertising funnel, aren't we? Um, yeah. Up by the first is the deadline we've set, isn't it? And the deadline um, I set. Yeah. <laughs> you set. But that's extremely common. That's what any smart advertising advertiser does. Uh, I've done it all throughout my uh, prolific Facebook advertising career. Right, let, let's start a little bit broader. Let's see the type of people and whatnot that are responding to the ad. And as soon as we start to see some correlations and patterns and whatnot, right, this, this is what we break this ad down into. And it very, this one campaign very quickly becomes four, aimed at four different types of people. And then that's when you start, start seeing an exponential increase in the return of your advertising dollars. Yeah, of um, course, people won't do that because it's work. It's, it's work. But if, if you want to make money, it's the sort of thing you focus on. Yeah. And I'd imagine there's probably some people going, oh, I'd, I'd feel rude. I'd feel intrusive getting to that level of detail. You are very silly for thinking that because the more you know about the person, the more you know about their pain, the better you can help them as well. It actually increases your level of service. Even if you don't change a thing, the client will feel far more looked after. And because of that, their perceived value of the work that you have done is much more valuable to them. And the higher the perceived value of the work that they believe you've done, the more likely they are to refer. Leave these raving reviews, become a raving fan, buy from you again. And you'll just be their sole supplier of everything that you fucking sell because you have made them feel looked after for the first time in their life. There is nothing wrong with realising the reason someone wants a kitchen is because they're desperate for a promotion at their job and they really want to impress their new boss. Yeah, 
I mean, we don't get to judge these things. Well, we can if we want, but anyone who's who, who then con- concerns themselves with what other people think of their choices like that is an idiot. I remember, I don't quite remember the detail, but I remember on LinkedIn a little while ago, there was a lady who was genuinely asking the question. She wasn't just looking for approval or, or engagement. She was genuinely concerned that, I think she was black herself. And she wanted to focus her work on black women, I think it was. And she was asking, is this wrong? Is this racist? Yeah. I don't understand. Of course it's not. There's nothing racist right. about it. I mean, you know, if you're doing it just because you don't like white people or you just because you don't like black people, then I think I wouldn't want to work with someone like that because they're bigots, you know? I'm, yeah. I'm not, they're entitled to their thoughts and their feelings. Of course they are, but I just wouldn't want to work with someone like that. For instance, say you're a coach and you are specialising in coaching people of colour who have suffered, who have hit a glass ceiling in a white-dominated society and you're coaching them how to, to beat it. Well, obviously, you're going to aim your target marketing, your target marketing, at black people who've suffered that. You're not going to try and aim it at white people too and just hope no one notices. It's a waste of time and money. Or if you're selling hair products for people, like black people have the um, often wear the beads and things, and the white people generally don't. But obviously, you're going to you're going to target your marketing in areas where black people with hair like that will, will see those things. To do otherwise is stupid. It's just a waste yeah. of your time. You know, it's just ridiculous. It's yeah. like someone selling anything. I mean, imagine what someone selling, say, programs for autistic people to. To, to, to do better in life and then feeling they can't target autistic people because it might offend someone. But that's the same kind, same kind of thing, isn't it? It's ridiculous. It is the same sort of thing. It's, it's stupid. And this is why always going to toot our own trumpet, but this is why I fucking love our stuff because it ties perfectly back into the groundwork we do at the very beginning. You have to grow a thick skin. You, you have to realise other people's opinions are merely just that and there is nothing wrong with doing what's best for your fucking business. No, no. Absolutely. Nothing wrong with that whatsoever. John, there are, I, there are, a, few wa- there are a few ways to, to lose money quicker than, than marketing that's not targeted. I'll tell you that now. Such a direct mail. Yeah. Dan Kennedy yeah. said to me when I had my day with Dan, the quickest way to go broke with direct mail is to send the same thing to everyone. Yeah. So, yeah, we're going to ask him anyway. I was going to say, I, I'm almost alarmed because in our little spreadsheet that we use to plan these episodes out, because they're far more methodical than people may realise. I see there's no plan or nothing even remotely in the one minute hate box. Damn. What do we hate today then, Connor? Oh, it's your hate, not my hate. This yeah, is really John exclusive hate. Pardon? I'm in a really mellow mood today. Why don't we have a one minute jolly, something you love? <laughs> a one minute love? No, because they don't want to hear me talking about bondage, do they? <laughs> nope. All right. I'll tell you what, no. I'm going to do something really offensive now. Oh, I'm going to okay. have a one minute hate about religion. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh god this might be the first and i'm gonna I'll make it very specific that. and i can very specific so come on bring it on big boy all right uh, these are john's views and john's views only they're not representative of the company and he may have to approve his next words through the board <laughs> i am the board at the moment mate <laughs> <laughs> I only say that because uh, a big company in America recently had to come out and apologize uh, because the CEO come out and said Trump, you know, didn't lose and the count was wrong and yada, yada, yada. They got a massive backlash and they were saying, take them out of Walmart, take them out of all of their little shops and whatnot. What is and wrong Walmart with these said, we're not taking them out. We're waiting for their announcement. And yeah, the board come out and said, our CEO and founder will no longer talk. <laughs> like, Ever. He can do what he wants, surely. Anyway, ready? Steady. Go.
Right, religion. Never mind, it's all a load of bullshit. I remember several years ago, they had the census here in Ireland, right? And afterwards, one guy, one of the members of the, the Doyle, said he wanted to prosecute, find and prosecute anyone who put down Jedi. Why? Because it was a made-up religion. It wasn't something real like Roman Catholicism. Excuse me, all fucking religions are made up. Just because something's been there a long time does not mean to say it's got any kind of legitimacy. If you trace back Roman Catholicism all the way back to its beginnings, it would have started with one day, one man waking up going, I know, I'm going to make something up. Or even better, some woman say, oh my God, I've been fucking around. I'm now pregnant. What am I going to tell Joseph? Oh, I know, it was God did it. And Joseph goes, oh yeah, it was God did it. 2,000 years later, we've got a bunch of people saying, this is a real religion because 2,000 years ago, some bird got up the duff, made up a fucking story, and now we all believe it. And let's not even fucking start on the Catholics and their fucking predisposition for allowing priests to fuck children and get away with it and support them and cover up for them. Why why are they not complaining? about all shut this up, shut up shut up i agree with every word that was just spoken uh, uh gybf approved off the tools approved seriously agrees <laughs> seriously the rank and file catholic who supports the institution of the catholic church when it is not it is not railing against pedophile priests is an enabler yeah you're not wrong now, with that I don't get why this is why the Pope is not running around pulling his fucking hair out saying, let's find these bastards and string them up. It's almost being swept under the carpet. It's just disgusting. I'm not saying all Catholics are perverse. That's not what I'm saying. But they're enabling it by not standing up for it or leaving the fucking church and starting a new one. Church of the definite not paedophiles, you know? That's a really interesting conversation, though, is inaction and a meaningful action. Is a bystander guilty by taking an action? Well, a bystander, no, but don't forget, people who, who carry on supporting the institution, either by the voting with their True. feet yeah. to be there, or even yeah, paying yeah. towards it, their tithe, they're, they're supporting yeah. it, they're condoning it. Yeah, you know, if enough. you're in a club and you don't like the club, you leave the club. If you don't leave the club, then you agree, you basically tacitly agreeing with what they do. I stopped yeah. being a bouncer because I realised I was starting to behave and think and speak in ways I didn't like. Okay, and that then I, I could have stayed and then says, "Oh, it's nothing to do with me. I don't do those things." But I thought, "No, not, I don't want to be associated with these people." You know, it, it became almost not all of them, but enough of them, for instance, thought it was okay to push the girlfriends around and stuff. I never went down that route, and I think it's fucking wrong. I don't want to. I don't want to be anything to do with people like that. You know, one guy said to me one night, and I, I hadn't seen him for years, and I was in a, I went in a club, so after I split it with my missus, and he said. Oh, I'm still with Nikki. I think it was her name. Yeah, Nikki. I had to give her a slap the other night. You do sometimes, don't you? Just keep them in line. And I just said, no, Darren, you fucking don't. I just walked off. Never spoke to him again. I, I do not want people like that in my life. No, that's um, awful. So you, you choose your company. That, yeah, that's no. That's sure. And if you're yeah, looking you're around with people who behave like that, then you're, cond- you're, you're tacitly condoning it. Yeah. Yeah, you're agreeing with the actions of the priests that you're meant to look up to and listen to. Or excusing. I mean, I remember one one fucking bishop was saying something on the lines of these little eight-year-old girls can be very alluring. Only if you're a fucking pervert! You know, if you're attracted to eight-year-old girls, you're a fucking pervert. And if you do something That's... about it, you're a practising pervert. <laughs> practising pervert? <laughs> well, let's face it. I mean, some people, paedophiles, you can feel a certain amount of sympathy for them. Not, I don't mean the practicing ones. I mean, men and women who have this predilection for small children, they cannot help their desires. They genuinely, genuinely can't. They can help not act, acting on them. They don't have to act on them. And then when they cross that line, that's disgusting, obviously. I'm not yeah. condoning that. But, you know, some of the, I've, read, I've read kind of, fi- not fiction, um, what are they called, papers on this. Some of them are tortured souls. It must be fucking awful for them. But the ones who actually act on their desires, they are disgusting creatures. They ought to be fucking strung up by the testicles. They really should. Yeah. But it's just, oh, fuck. Fucking hell, blaming little kids for, for leading these priests on. What the fuck is wrong with you, man? 
What the fuck yeah. is actual fuck? The actual, not just the fuck, the actual fuck is wrong with you. These different girls can be very sexy, can't they? It's like the that, old fucking that. joke, isn't it? What old joke? Yeah? Men wouldn't be paedophiles if kids weren't so sexy. <laughs> now, that, that's what they're oh. saying. And they say yeah. it with a straight face. They mean it. You can't. How could that even or, be in mind? These or they blame Satan. They blame Satan. They blame this made-up fucking evil thing with horns and fucking cloven feet. No, no, I blame your willy, mate. <laughs> I just fucking hate them. I want to string them up, set fire to them, fucking light a slow fire under their head. And on that note, let's wrap this up. Yeah. <laughs> Perverts. As I always say, give sadists a fair crack of the whip. Hey. Right, okay, so what do we do? If you want to make more money with less work, let's hustle a few headaches by selling to better clients, charging them higher fees, and have it all happen in a pipeline that happens and gets all filled behind your back without any hands-on stuff, well, mostly. Go to ottcollective.co.uk and join our Facebook group and get over a shitload of stuff where we talk about all this kind of stuff except Catholic priests, mostly. In the meantime, stay safe, stay inside, wash your hands, Cool. Keep it in your trousers <laughs> <laughs> and don't shit on your fingers. See you later. Ta-da. See you later. Fuck off and focus. <laughs>